It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. The first time, I guess, we're talking football and basketball at the same time. Mizzou opened the basketball season with a win over something named Incarnate Word last night. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're going to talk football first. Uh, Mitchell Forty and Gabe DeArmond here on the phone with us. Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com. He has covered the Bulldogs for Rivals.com since, I don't know, the beginning of Georgia football. So, Dash, appreciate it, man. <laughs> hey, no problem, guys. All right, so let's just start with this. Like, Missouri fans feel very badly about their program right now going into this. But I, I, this game is, is clearly – more about Georgia probably than Missouri, but you tell me if this is an unfair view of Georgia's program this year. They're definitely very good. They're they're definitely very good, but it's just seemed like there's been a little bit missing from the gear we thought we were going to see from this Georgia team this year. I think that's a very fair statement. I think that's all probably surrounds uh, how the offense has done this year, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, I, you know Georgia. What last uh, what four or five games is only averaging around 21, 23 points per game, and you know that's had some fans, uh, a lot of fans, for a matter of fact, uh, you know, pretty, you know, pretty aggravated. To be quite honest with you, about how the season has gone. Uh, you know, Georgia uh, started the season averaging what 37, 38, 40 points per game, whatever, whatever it was. But uh, they've you know really struggled. Offense has not really been as explosive, I think, as people. You know, thought it would be going into the season. They have not been that, that huge number of big plays I think most people used to see with a Georgia offense. And, and because of that, uh, I really had to rely on the defense to really, uh, I think, in my opinion, to win a lot of these ball games. You mentioned uh, the offense not being quite as explosive. Can you pinpoint a, a reason for that or what's kind of caused some of the struggles? <sighs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the wide receivers. I mean, this is a, a group, you know, that had the, you know, a lot of different guys are playing. They had to replace four guys who were either drafted or, or playing on NFL teams right now. Uh, they're, uh, you know, having to lean on some young guys. I mean, George Pickens is a – he's a five-star kid. He's going to be a very good one, but he's young. Demetrius Robertson, uh, another former five-star guy, has not really, you know, gotten into the sink yet as far as uh, getting to a rhythm with Jake Fromm. And Lawrence Cage, who has come in, a grad transfer from Miami, has been very good. But he's, he's 6'5", 220. He's not really a guy who's going to, you know – Hurt you on a long pass. He's a he's a tough now going over the middle. Very similar to to Javon Wims, who they had a you know a couple of years ago. But they just really not that one guy who uh, I, if you're a Missouri, child, I don't think you're really that scared. It's going to really you know take it to the house when he gets his hands on the ball. Now DeAndre Swift certainly has that capability. He has done that in the past. But but once again, we've not seen the the big 50, 60, whatever yard runs uh, that we've seen with him in the past. So it's just been a uh, a team that's more apt to, to grind it out on you, control the clock, as opposed, again, to uh, hitting you with a big play. And that's been the difference, in my opinion. So, it, on one hand, it, look, Georgia has obviously still in the playoff chase. They're number six. If they if they win out, they're going to go all that. Hey, this Georgia team is interesting because they're better than pretty much everybody they play, and yet they're not, because of everything you're talking about, it seems like they're – I don't know if it's preference or necessity, they're going to win a game like 24-14. to 14. I mean, I don't know yeah. if this is a team that blows out decent teams, which I guess is how you get something like South Carolina when you let somebody hang around. When you play that style, you're just one or two plays from getting beat. 
Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, the South Carolina game, Jay Plum had his worst game. Uh, he throws three interceptions. One was a pick six. Uh, now, granted, a third, a third interception was off of receiver's hands, but still, you know, three interceptions, one fumble. You know, and I don't, you know, and I don't care really care who you play against. You have those kind of mistakes, those critical mistakes. You're going to be in danger of losing. South Carolina, to their credit, came in and and, and played great. They, they would put, you know, nine, ten, ten guys in the box and, and dare Georgia to run and, and and try to make Jake make mistakes, which he did. And the running game was not, you know, quite up to what it has been in recent weeks. Uh, George still had wound up over 400 yards of offense, but uh, again, the mistakes were just critical in that contest, and uh, when you have an offense that's not really built to, to blow you out, and that's the kind of thing that can happen. Hey, so I'm just curious, how much have you heard from fans because there is a uh, there are a couple former Georgia quarterbacks playing pretty well this year, one in particular. How, how much have you dealt with, we, rode the, we picked the wrong horse here? Oh, a lot. I mean, especially as it pertains to Justin Fields. Now, now granted, you're talking two different – Highly different offenses. I mean, you know, Ohio State runs that passing spread, and, and Justin Fields is put in a position to, to make some big plays and put up a ton of yards. Whereas Georgia, again, is that pro-style offense. I mean, it's going to be run first, play action pass. That's how they go about their business. But one misnomer that's out there, though, that, 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 that Georgia ran Justin Fields off, that was that wasn't the case. He, he elected to go. So it wasn't a, a case of Curtis Moore made a decision to stick with Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, it was Justin's uh, decision, whatever that may be, to, to head on somewhere else. Gotcha. Um, you know, obviously, Jake Fromm's he's done a lot in his career. He led the team to a national championship game as a freshman. He made the the big throws pretty much whenever he needed to against Florida. I think he was like 10 to 13 on third down. But do you feel like the, the formula to, to try to beat Georgia is still, like you were saying with South Carolina, load the box, stop the run, and, and make Jake Fromm try to beat you in one-on-one plays with the, those receivers? I think so because if Georgia, you know, can get that running game going, the second half of games, they've, they've been very effective. They just basically just wear teams out. They've got that big offensive line, which goes about average about six five, about about three thirty, something along along there. They just they just lean on people and they wear them out. But uh, if you can if you can force Georgia into the second short, I mean sorry, second long, third and long situation, and make Jake from Jake Fromm try to beat you, I think that's probably going to be your your best bet because the last thing you want Georgia doing is running downhill. Once they do that, that makes that play action game that much more effective, makes Georgia a much more dangerous team. All right, so all this talk about the offense and what might be wrong with Georgia, what isn't wrong is the defense. Um, yeah. I, I think probably the best defense in the SEC. Um, statistically, it will be because yeah. maybe Georgia doesn't play a couple of the teams Auburn has to play, but what, what makes this defense – I, it, not only as good as it is, but probably the best one Kirby's had. Uh, athletics, athletically. I mean, it's the, probably the best one that I've seen since I've been covering Georgia. I mean, it's it's a it's a defense that's loaded with high four star, five star players. They're all got they all got length. They can run, and uh, it's just just that's basically basically really it really just did. Kirby Smart being a defensive minded coach uh, uh, really uh, has focused on that when it comes to recruiting and, and up and down. The line, line of scrimmage, the linebacker, secondary, they, they've really done a, a great job of really, again, just, just bringing in some outstanding athletes, and that's what's getting it done. I mean, uh, have not have yet to give up a rushing touchdown in eight games this year, which is a, a school record. I think the previous um, streak of uh, not allowing a rushing score was four games, so they've already doubled that you know, this year. So it's a tough team to run against. Uh, schools have had from time to time have had success throwing the ball. We've seen – 
Uh, Tennessee has a couple of very good receivers. Made one, one I recall, top of my head, made a double move, was able to score for Marquez Callaway. Had a they would make a double move and take one in for the house. Even Murray State had a couple of big uh, passing uh, passing scores that uh, that, that burnt uh, you know Georgia. But uh, overall, again, just athleticism, I think, just enables them to just to really just to pin their ears back and just come after you know, opposing offenses. Just to kind of piggyback off that, and you, you touched on it maybe a little bit, but you know. I mean, how how can a team like Missouri, especially that hasn't thrown the ball that well lately, how can a team maybe attack Georgia's defense and, and hope to sustain some drives? Well, they've got to mix it up. I mean, Georgia uh, is going to come out number one. It's like they're doing every game. Uh, it it stops the run. They want to make teams one-dimensional. So it's going to be impaired for Missouri or really whoever else plays Georgia to be able to mix it up and don't don't be predictable in what you do offensively and just try to keep the, keep the defense on its heels as much as possible. But, Again, that hasn't been something. It's been something rather hasn't been that easy for teams to do this year. All right. So, look, I know that all coaches, and I think Kirby Smart is kind of the king of making the other team sound amazing every week. But realistically, what I'm not going to ask you what Missouri's chances are because you probably haven't watched a ton of Missouri. But what do they have to do to make this? I don't know to go into the fourth quarter with a shot here. I guess probably, I mean, you know this better than me, it's going to be the health of Kelly Bryant. I mean, if yeah. Kelly Bryant uh, is in the semblance of his old seven, and can run around, move around in the pocket and make things happen with his legs, that's going to help Missouri a lot. I mean, that, cause that's, you know, from what I can tell, is a good bit of a good bit of his, of his offense. But if he's, he's not able to run, that's going to make uh, things, really, things really difficult. So they're going to have to find some success in that running game or else, uh, again, Georgia is going to be able to, to really, really focus on Kelly and, 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 and and take him out of the ball game. No, I'm not saying literally take him out, but just, just just really limit what he's able to do if he's not able to run that football. Well, I know Missouri fans have kind of uh, obviously they, they've had this game circled on the calendar for a long time. It's now a little less meaningful, but Georgia's goals lie uh, beyond. And last week went yeah. a long way towards you know putting them kind of uh, as the the leader in the, in the SEC East race. Uh, you know what what do you kind of just after watching this team all season and and last week beating Florida, what do you kind of assess their chances at uh, of maybe being able to to win that SEC East or SEC championship game and uh, return to the playoff? Well, it's a tough November. I mean, uh, Missouri is somebody that, you know, I don't, still don't think can be overlooked. Next week, George goes to Auburn. That's going to be a tough game. The week after that, Texas A&M comes to Athens for the first time in, in 25 or so years. And, of course, the season ended against Georgia Tech, which won't be a, won't be a contest. But, but what I'm saying, the conference games are, are something that's uh, going to be a, a challenge for Georgia, I think. Again, with, with the offense not being as explosive so far as uh, – uh, well, I think what most people expect is going to be uh, up to this defense to, to keep playing to, at the level it's at right now to make it happen. But I, I do think uh, I, I do think it sets up relatively well. I mean, I, I think uh, you know Georgia. We saw some different things in the Florida game. Uh, they're, they're trying to do offensively, trying to be a little more creative. They can keep doing that, and I think it's going to you know bode well for them. Uh, moving forward, but you know when it comes to the SEC championship, we'll just have to wait and see. And I don't know, of course. Uh, at Alabama, a lot's going to depend on, I guess, Tua's health and how his uh, how his uh, ankle is doing. And uh, LSU has just been been so impressive offensively this year that uh, uh, the question there would be if Georgia could score enough points to keep up. But uh, you know, all they want to do is a chance. You have a chance going in, and uh, and it all starts for them this uh, Saturday to get that next win. A few more minutes with Anthony Dasher from UGA Sports, and I, I kind of want to ask you about. That. I mean. I thought last year Georgia should have played in the national title game. I thought they were a better team than Alabama, and 
I, yeah. I think Georgia fans are, are probably very cognizant of the fact that chances like that don't necessarily come along every year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Kirby has been recruiting basically at an Alabama level. So let's say they don't make it back to that point this year. Is I, I think this time a year ago, there was a feeling of inevitability. Georgia is going yeah. to win a national title at some point in the next few years. Is Is the recruiting still at that level? Is there still that feeling or is there starting to be some – hey, we're right there, but, man, we got to break through at some point. That's kind of how it is, I think. I mean, recruiting is still there. They're still getting athletes. And I think by the time uh, this year's recruiting cycle is over, you'll still see Georgia in the top top three or four as far as uh, the kids they bring in. But, again, this is a program that has not won a national title since 1980. They came so close, uh, you know, two years ago uh, against Alabama in the title game. And uh, and last year, uh, you know, they, 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 they had an opportunity there late in the SEC title game against Alabama, but then Kirby – you know, call that ridiculous <laughs> fake punt with Justin Fields when everybody in the, in the entire Mercedes Benz Stadium knew what was coming. I mean, yeah, blind man would have been food, wanting food on that. But uh, anyway, I'm going to get me on another tangent. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, they, they have come very close, and I think that's really, uh, I think that's probably got Georgia, a lot of Georgia fans probably uh, you know, even more frustrated with how kind of how things are going because they feel the last two years they had a couple of teams that, they could have won it, but didn't get it done. Last thing for me, I know uh, you know Missouri's made the trip to Athens a few times now uh, since joining the SEC, but we always like to ask uh, just if you have any recommendations, any spots that uh, Missouri fans and I should uh, check out when I'm down there this weekend. Well, I tell you, I mean Athens is known uh, for its downtown. I mean, there's any number of good restaurants, great bars, uh, the music scene, of course, uh, home to REM, B52. You know, got their start. Uh, in Athens, uh, um, but really just anywhere to be quiet. I mean, if you if you're in Italian food, the Palmas downtown I think is excellent. Uh, the Taqueria is a very good Mexican restaurant. I, I hit up uh, a lot, but uh, like I said, it's it just there's it's just numerous. Uh, it's just a very vibrant uh, downtown area. And and then when I talk to uh, you know, folks who come from other schools, that's uh, that's the thing they always mention to me most: how much fun they had downtown. Well, Mitchell's coming in a day early. He's going to be there tonight. I'm clearly going to have to shut down the company credit card by uh, <laughs> by Sunday morning. But uh, what want to wrap up kind of moving on. Obviously, everybody's opening basketball season this weekend. I, yeah. I've got to imagine there's a lot of excitement in Athens. I mean, Tom Crean brought in a pretty nice class last year. He's got maybe the best freshman in the country, and Anthony Edwards coming in this year. So yeah. is the belief that this is a team that should be ready this year maybe to get back to the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I mean, Anthony Edwards. I will say this: he is he. he you know, all the years I've covered Georgia, he is the best-looking freshman for this team I've I've, I've seen. Uh, but this is a squad that has ten newcomers. None of those newcomers are true freshmen, and that's just. I, I think you may be asking a little bit <laughs> too much yeah, yeah. to say the team is going to make it back to the NCAA this year. But Anthony Edwards is going to be very fun to watch. I mean, the other night they beat Western Carolina. He scored twenty-four points, had nine rebounds. That was a second best uh, debut for a Georgia basketball player since some guy named Dominic Wilkins <laughs> back in 1979. So, yeah, he's a very exciting player. We did, they do have some other good young kids, though. Severe uh, um, Wheeler is a, a, he's a little guy, will mind you, of a left-handed J.J. Frazier. It was, was very, uh, very, did a very good job of driving the lane and very quick, very fast. Something, again, they did not have last, uh, really the last two seasons. So, uh, those two guys, I think, give uh, Georgia a good call. They do have some other veterans back, Tyree Crump, but but uh, Mr. Edwards, though, is uh, he's he's a fun cat to watch when he gets hot. Uh, he, he he looks like a pro player, but and unfortunately for Georgia, it's 
probably it's going to be uh, one year in the red and black. Yeah, I was going to say this is. It's kind of generally assumed this is the only year he's there, right? Yeah, I would think so. All right, well, Dash, appreciate it, man, and uh, look forward to Saturday night. Mitch will be down there and uh, yep. see what happens. <laughs> All right, guys, Mitch, give me a holler if you need anything. Yes, sir. All right, have a good one. Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. And I don't know, the way everybody looks at this game has changed so much in the last, I guess, three weeks. Uh, because even if Missouri was playing well and if Missouri was 7-1, and one, I would pick Georgia to win this game. Yeah. But I think there would have been some optimism. Sure. There's really no optimism. No. I mean, the thing is, you know, I just don't see how Missouri is able to move the ball. I mean, right. the Missouri's offense has been really bad the last couple of weeks. Kelly Bryant's banked up, and George. Frankly, I'm not sure matters. Right. I mean, it, I think, I I think if he plays like he has the past couple of weeks, it doesn't. But I think I still think he gives this offense its highest potential, especially if he can if he yeah. can move around and make plays, you know, with his legs, um, extend plays, run the ball. But yeah, I mean, I just I. I don't see how how Missouri can sustain drives against this Georgia defense, and even if the Georgia offense, you know, isn't great, and even if Missouri has a good game plan and stops the run and, and you know kind of forces Georgia's uh, passing game and those young receivers to beat it, I think Georgia has the playmakers to just wear them down and and eventually break a few big plays. And I don't think Missouri has those same guys. It's interesting. It's two teams that want to win a low scoring game, or at least Missouri should want. That. Right now, that's what Missouri should have wanted last week, and <laughs> yeah. they didn't appear to want that so i i don't know but uh, to me uh, even more so than how poorly missouri has played the reason i don't like this game at all is because i think your hope was you would come in they'd be fresh off this huge win over florida that mm -hmm. basically iced the east auburn's next week they're gonna have to win it to make the playoff all those things are true but missouri has pushed georgia enough the last few years that I don't think this is a game Georgia looks at and says we can roll the helmets out and win. And also, they already had the wake-up call. The the South Carolina game, as soon as South Carolina beat Georgia and Athens, to me, Missouri's chances of doing this went way down. Yeah, no, I think that latter point is correct. Uh, you know, I think we've seen the past few years, Georgia's been prone to kind of one bad game. Yeah. The, the past couple of years, it was against a better opponent, Auburn and LSU, but they, they typically, it's kind of a one and done thing. And, you know, most teams, Missouri notwithstanding, when they have that one uh oh game, that one game where, you know, maybe the team comes out on focus, they, they tends not to happen again because, you know, it tends to serve kind of as a, as a wake up call. And, and yeah, I think especially playing at home at night, like even if, if Georgia were to some, for some reason, come out flat, you know, I mean, that's going to be a, a sold out game it's going to be packed uh, it's going to be loud i i just i really it's hard for me to envision a way missouri wins short of like two defensive touchdowns right. it, it's going to take freak plays and th this what we're just talking about with georgia georgia under kirby smart the last two or three years reminds me so much of oklahoma after stoops won the national title they would have one game every year they would lose to texas tech or colorado mm -hmm. and, and they would get everybody's hopes up hey oklahoma's beatable and then all of a sudden they would wake up and every decent team on their schedule, they would just bludgeon by like 35 <laughs> points. Yeah. And you would get to the end of the regular season and go, well, Oklahoma is clearly one of the two or three best teams in the country, but that loss back in September is preventing them from winning a national title. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Georgia's, 
you know, somewhat fortunate in that, you know, we have the playoff and they're going to get a shot. Right. At, I mean, assuming they win, they control their own destiny. Right. Like, it, they're going to get a shot at, you know, the winner of the West. And if they win that game, they're in the playoffs. So. Unless they lose to Auburn. Right, next. right. Although, even if even if they lose to Auburn no, and they, they win the SEC, no two-loss SEC champion? No way. I, I, I see no – because you're going to have – and now this is assuming Auburn doesn't beat Alabama. Right, right, right. But – so you're going to have – one of one of LSU. You're, you're going to have LSU or Alabama would probably sitting both have there. one loss. Right, they yeah. both have one loss. Yeah. Georgia would have two, and one of them, and one, one of them two. would have a really, really good win against the other LSU so, and Alabama. So, so yeah. here is here is before we move on to basketball. Here is chaos, and here's kind of what I want to see because it would make the rest of the country so mad that I think <laughs> we would have an eight-team playoff yeah. next year. So whoever wins the Alabama LSU game, it doesn't matter. So. The loser of that game wins out. They're sitting there eleven and one. Yep. The winner goes to the SEC title game at twelve and zero. Georgia goes to the SEC title game at eleven and one. Yeah. Georgia beats that twelve and zero team mm -hmm. by one score. Clemson loses. Either Ohio State or Penn State lose. Mm -hmm. I you know Oregon and Utah both lose a game. There's no way you don't have three SEC teams in the playoff. And if that happens, the whole system will be sh torn to shreds the next day. Yeah. Yeah. We would just have an S. Yeah. That I, would be because that would a, be wild. The committee would do something to not have right. three SEC I, I don't they, know how they do yeah, it. I don't, but they, do they should. But yeah, I, don't, I still feel like they would find a way not to, especially because they love those conference championships so much. Right. You know, but they, that they would say be fun, they don't though. look at it. But right. they, I mean, what would happen? They do all these blind resumes and then they'd unveil it and go, Oh no! Oh yeah, no. It, it, it isn't going to work. We got to get Cincinnati in this playoff <laughs> or something. So, yeah. uh, basketball last night. Um, look, I first of all credit to Missouri for doing what should have been sure. done. Incarnate Word. I honestly did not know that was a university until <laughs> Missouri's schedule came out. I thought that was a private girls' school in St. Louis, which, by the way, it is. Um, they were 6-25 and 25 last year and lost 16 straight games in the Southland Conference. <laughs> this is a bad team. Yeah. I mean, Incarnate Word's not good. Like you said, credit to Missouri for taking care of business. Um, that's all you can ask in a yeah. season opener. You never know what's going to happen first time kids take the floor. I mean, there, there's, there was... Some, there were, things, there were to like. things to like for sure. Like there were some encouraging things that happened. First of all, um, the obvious one is Jeremiah Tillman. And like, you know, we've seen before that he can have games like this against bad teams, especially on the offensive end. But if he can just do what he did on the defensive end, no matter how many fouls he gets, even if he only plays 15 minutes and fouls out, but he can be that much of a like a rim protector and a deterrent, it makes the defense and so much better. And I think that's what, be, that's what he should be against Incarnate right. Word, but he hasn't been that in right. the past. No, he hasn't. I mean, this was his career high in blocks, and, and he's played, you know, bad teams before like that's what console martin i think has been preaching so much to him is like even if you know you don't get it going on the offensive end or you get a couple of bad whistles against you just keep the same defensive aggressiveness and and be a, a rim protector for as long as you're on the floor because that that helps so much um on the defensive end and then to, yeah. to me more than tillman i thought i was impressed by xavier pence yeah for I, sure i, I mean I think you can argue he was the best player on the floor. Yeah, no, I was definitely gonna gonna get to him next. Yeah, he, I, I was, I think he definitely looked like the most improved player. That's for sure. Probably the best all around player. I mean, he was, he was able to to get into the lane pretty much at will. Um, again, 
it's against Incarnate Word, but still right. drew a lot of content. I think he took like 11 free leads, throws. Um, leads the country in fouls drawn per 40 minutes right now. <laughs> okay, there you go. 15.2 yeah. fouls per 40 minutes. <laughs> That's a lot. He could almost foul out a starting lineup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so... He yeah, and he he was he was able to push the pace and deliver some of those flashy passes, but while not turning the ball over a bunch, he only had two turnovers. So, again, you know, very small sample size. We want to see these teams happen consistently, but that's definitely a step in the right direction. And the the last individual I kind of wanted to focus on, and again, it, we don't. It's not a Power Five opponent, but Drew Smith was what the coaching staff told us he was going to be. Yeah. He had eight points, I think, on three shots. Three shots, shots yeah. And he is a guy that statistically, I don't think Drew Smith's going to be all SEC because mm-hmm. I think people are going to look at the end of the year and go, I don't know, 8.6 points a game? Yeah. Eh. <laughs> but he's a guy that doesn't have to score to impact the game, and that's exactly what Conzo Martin's staff has told us, yeah. you know, both on the record and, and kind of people around the program have said privately, he's a guy that just does what you need to be done and maybe the casual fan isn't going to appreciate the player he is, but he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He didn't even take a shot in the first half, but you you can tell. I mean, he just he has a really good you know awareness of the floor. He he plays under control always. He doesn't get sped up. Um, he was able to like Pinson, you know, push the tempo at times, but he never looked like he was forcing anything. He uh, he delivered a couple a couple real nice passes. I, he really he could he I think he had five assists, but he could have had five at least just in the first half if guys had been making threes. You know, he set he set up a few open threes. So yeah, I mean. I think, you know, it's definitely possible that there comes a game where they need him to to take more shots and score more points, and I'll be interested to see if he's kind of able to flip that switch and, and be the go-to guy if, if right. you know, teams are – if that's what's necessary. If maybe, you know, Tillman's in foul trouble and, and shots aren't falling for other players. But certainly a, a, a good debut for him, even though he didn't necessarily light up the scoreboard. Yeah, I think he's a guy who at some point this year will score 25, mm-hmm. but it won't be very often. Um, so everybody – after every game wants to talk about the rotation and the starting five and this and that. So let's be clear about a few things. First of all, it is Conzo says he's going to play eight or nine guys. That does not mean it's the same eight or nine every game. There are going to be games where Mitchell Smith plays more minutes than Reed Nico. There are Mm -hmm. going to be games where Reed Nico plays more than Mitchell Smith. Yeah, there's going to be games Mario McKinney doesn't see the floor and games he plays 15 minutes. Exactly. You're going to see lineups, and if they play like they did last night, I think this could actually become a fairly common lineup with Pinson and Drew Smith on the floor at the same time. Yeah. Uh, And Drew Smith actually technically playing the two-guard spot, but – you know, everybody wants to say, well, you know, now Mark Smith falls out of the rotation or Torrance Watson. No, those guys are going to be in the rotation. Yeah. They're going to play. I think what we know at this point, Axel Okongo is not going to play. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe at all. Maybe ever. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe period. I mean, Brooks Ford and uh, Evan Yerkes. And, and, and Beef Yerkes got in the game <laughs> before, uh, before Okongo. So, like, he's not going to play this year. Parker Brown is going to play what he did last night. Yeah. Like, I, and I know everybody loved what he did. But you understand these are these are in garbage time against, against backups of Incarnate Word. Right. I mean, like, it's not just garbage time. It's garbage time against Incarnate Word. He's right. playing Division right. Three, and, and not to insult. Like, look, it, there. But there's a reason that he's the walk on in the eleventh or or was a walk on yeah. in the eleventh or twelfth man in the rotation. It doesn't mean down the road he can't be a contributing player. Sure. But don't expect meaningful minutes on this team right now. Yeah, no. And, and then either Nico or Smith in any given game isn't going to play much, barring foul catastrophe. Exactly. Yeah. No. I think I think it's you know relatively clear that the last three guys are 
like you said, Axel Oconco, Parker Brown, and some combination of Reed Nico and Mitchell Smith. And, and um, then when you get into, there are going to be SEC games where instead of 10, that rotation is eight or nine. Yeah. And Mario McKinney's going to sit for a couple games. Yeah, I it's agree. It's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think everyone else who we, we didn't just mention there with, you know, McKinney, Mitchell Smith, Nico, Axel Oconco, Parker Brown plays pretty regularly, yeah, pretty much that, every that's game. That's your top but, eight or nine. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I. I don't know. You know, Mitchell Smith kind of he does bring an ability to stretch the floor. He didn't make any threes last night, but he he's I don't I I have not seen you know Conzo talked about him adding some strength to his frame. I don't really yeah. see it. He looks a little thin to try to play the five uh, against an SEC team. Um, you know what you're going to get with Reed Nico. Obviously, the staff would prefer to have Tillman out there every minute, but that's not realistic. So I think it'll just depend on who their plan as to who gets the bulk of those minutes at the backup five. And then yeah, a few people were talking about you know I don't see how. Mark Smith stays in the rotation. Mark Smith's not going anywhere. I mean, he, he could very well lead this team in scoring. He right. had a, a slow shooting night, and Conzo said he would have liked to see him maybe do a little more with the ball in his hands, put the ball on the deck, be a little crisper uh, off the bounce. But, I mean, he's he's going to – I think he's going to – he'll probably start every game. It didn't matter if Mark Smith played well last exactly. night. I, yeah. You know, and I actually – before we do the podcast again, we'll have two more games to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I like the way this schedule sets up for the first week because – You've got this first game where it's like basically get out and sweat mm-hmm. in front of a, a few hundred people and <laughs> see what a game's like. Yeah. Then the second game is Northern Kentucky, which is you're going to have to play, but you should still win. Yeah. I mean, Northern Kentucky was a tournament team last mm-hmm. year. It's not a, a roster that's going to come in here scared to death. Oh, my goodness, we're playing in Columbia, Missouri. Mm-hmm. But you still should win the game. And then game three, like it's time to go yeah. at Xavier Tuesday night. Yeah, that'll be a big test for sure. So, yeah, and, and Xavier's expected to be a, a fairly, fairly decent 20. team. Yeah, according yeah. to the Ken Palm rankings. It, so, yeah, no, I, I think like you said, it's uh, it's good that it kind of progresses like that. Obviously, the the road factor at Xavier, you know, that makes that a little tougher matchup. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. It reminds me a lot of the Utah game two years ago, mm-hmm. where that was the second, third, fourth game of the season. Yeah. And Missouri went out there, and what you don't want to see is what you saw at Utah, which six minutes in, Missouri was done. Yeah. I mean, they were absolutely annihilated. They scored like four points. Yeah, Yeah. they they had no chance at any point in that game. So, look, I I don't know if they'll win at Xavier, but you want it to be a game with Mm -hmm. eight minutes left, right? You want Missouri to put up a fight. But, and I think we go through this with the first couple, like, meaningful basketball games every year. There is such an adjustment in mentality from (laughs) – football where every play feels like it determines your season to mm-hmm. I don't know if Missouri goes and loses by 47 points at Xavier that doesn't mean you can't win a national title no exactly. I'm not saying either of those is going to happen but it's just such a different mentality right yeah I mean they play you know it, when it's all said and done 33 30 so 34 games something like that it's it's not uh it's not going to be where one I mean, game determines the season right so. the number one and number three teams in the country lost on tuesday right. night and it's okay yeah it exactly so yeah i mean it's you know really just playing those games is an important resume but it's just the fact that it's happening getting a road i mean that'll almost certainly at the end of the year be a quadrant one game right. uh, regardless and, of if it's a win or loss so and the flip side of this is do not just assume missouri is better than alabama because alabama lost <laughs> its open it like yeah. you know it, you're going to see swings here throughout the season uh, it, it is the Really, football is 12 sprints, mm-hmm. and basketball is just 
Like you gotta have some staying power. Yeah, and and we see every year. You know, you'll see teams that that struggle early on and that you know kind of nail down the rotation and, and get a lot better. I mean, it, you know, I think. So, so we think Michigan State will still be all right down the road. Probably, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that's possible. We think that, I, I feel like they turn the ball over twenty eight times every time they play. Well, they better not. Although I, I mean, <laughs> that, that wouldn't make okay. anyone too sad. Yeah, um, okay. yeah, I think. Yeah, we see a lot of teams. In Michigan State's the king of this. Of of almost, it seems like Tom Izzo tries to have his team look bad early on, and yeah. then just all of a sudden, March rolls around and they're you know hitting on on all cylinders yeah the only other first of all i think coaches have to like it's cool to play in that champions classic sure. but they kind of have to hate starting every year against duke or kentucky yeah. or somebody but you know who hates the start of the season more than anybody else this year is the acc oh yeah like, so they debut yeah. the acc network and you're playing a conference game yeah like look around the country nobody plays well on night one right there's always an adjustment so now you know, you're Florida State and you have to go to Pitt. Right. And that's going to, I mean, and, you know, I mean, like all the time you see that, that could be the and, difference between finishing like seventh and 11th in the league and is you one did game. this for a network that, <laughs> that no one no can one watch. Can yeah. see. Syracuse, I think, scored like 32 points last night against oh, Virginia. So, so, yeah, I mean, that the, starting, starting the season with the ACC, like with ACC games and putting Virginia and Syracuse together as a recipe to make like any casual fan decide to hate the ACC right, forever. Right. Just hold that against them because no one's ready for that yet. No, not at all. So it is crossover season. Like, I don't think you'd know it based on people that are talking to us. It's now just basketball season for Missouri fans. But yeah. believe it or not, there are football games left. But, I, you know, I have joked a couple times this week covering Missouri is the constant yo-yo between, hey, yeah, the season started. I'm all fired up. Oh, we're not very good at this one. When's the next season yeah. start? <laughs> Who are we recruiting? When do we do? When do we start again? Start over. Yeah. When? when when's the other sport start? So, uh, but hey, you, you at least got a while, uh, basketball wise, before you start worrying about when spring football starts. And uh, again, like it's a joke. The team looked pretty good last night. I would imagine they're going to be two and zero when they go to Xavier on Tuesday night, and and we'll see what happens from there. Um, so next week, I don't know. I guess we'll preview Florida. Yeah, probably be able off. to talk about some some basketball after we see him play Northern Kentucky and Xavier. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, we will still be talking football. We don't anticipate it to make you a lot happier next week than it <laughs> did this week, but we will talk about it nonetheless. So thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday on the podcast.